What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. And you are locked on the Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage you can find anywhere. And we're going to get rolling right away today with first down, and that would be the big change of punter with the release of Tim Maste and the claiming of Jacob Shum off waivers from Tampa Bay. You are locked on Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I got to be honest with you, I don't get this move of puncher, not one bit. I've been a, a big backer of Tim Maste. Um, I realize he's not Ray Guy. He's not going to the Hall of Fame. But he's a darn good puncher for what he's been asked to do and for the weather and the conditions that he has to face here in Green Bay and then when he goes out to Chicago for those games too. I think he's a darn good punter. And, you know, it takes me back to 2008 when in 2006 and seven, John Ryan was one of the best punters in the league. You know, even punting at Lambeau Field, he recorded back-to-back top 10 seasons in, in punting average. They were, that was the first top 10 punting average season since 1997, and only the second and third since, like, 1980. So he's he was a really good punter, and just before the start of the, the 2008 season, he was released in favor of Derek Frost, and, and that turned into a disaster, and they signed Jeremy Kapanos at the end of 08, and, that, and, and he wasn't very good, and, you know, Kapanos punted in 09 as well, and Finally, 2010, they signed Tim Mastin and he wins the job. So the last time they made a change like this, it, it sparked two years of bad punting. Obviously, you can't really compare this one to that one because, you know, maybe Jacob Shum's going to be a really good punter. But, I mean, let's just look at the numbers here. This, this is why I'm not buying this move. Punting average last year, Maste 43.9 yards per punt, Shum 41.9. Net average, and again, net average is really the only number that matters in punting because it matters to change of field position. Tim Maste, 40.2 average, Shum, 38.0. So again, Maste is up two yards in average and up 2.2 yards in net average, and he's punting at Lambeau Field in Green Bay, and Jacob Shum's punting in Tampa Bay. And you, you know, you tell me who's got the bigger challenge here. I'll, I'll, I would say Maste's got a slightly bigger challenge, <laughs> kicking a rock-hard ball, in December, compared to Shum, who can punt in Tampa Bay during the week or on Sundays and have a you know margaritas on the beach the rest of the week, so not buying this move. Now, and, and this this may be Ted Thompson's thinking. Now, unfortunately, we don't get to talk to Ted Thompson anymore, so we'll, we 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 never will get his logic on this one. But this might be where it's advantage Shum. Now, last year, Massey punted eighty-one times and Shum fifty-six. There's a big difference in numbers of punts. On punts inside the 20-yard line, it was 18 for Maste, 15 for Shum. So a sled edge to Maste, but he had a lot more punts. So if you think on a, on a per-punt basis, that's advantage to Shum. Punts inside the 10-yard line, Maste had four, Shum had five. So again, a big advantage to Shum there. Touchbacks probably work out about equal. Maste had six, Shum had four. But if you take inside the 20 punts, Divide those by the number of touchbacks. Maste was 3.0. Shum was 3.8. So there's again, those are advantage Shum. So if you want to, if you want, if you want to look to to the defense of the numbers stuff, 
I would say, okay, fine, I, I can I can buy some of our mass state, but the rest of the stuff I'm not buying. And then then there's this other stuff too I'm gonna get into here. Again, we kind of got into this with the weather. And this is the thing that we talk about with the special teams coordinators every year when, you know, whether it was when it was cross getting challenged or, or mass day or come draft time. You don't know if these guys can kick in bad weather until they get a chance to kick in bad weather. With Mason Crosby and Tim Mastay, you know darn well that those guys are going to come through on bad weather games. They're not going to get blown away by the cold, blown away by the weather. They're not going to freeze in the elements. So you, you know those are proven commodities there. You have no Now, Shum punted at Buffalo in college, which, which isn't exactly you know, Hawaii, but you know, the college season, especially when you're a lousy team like Buffalo, but the college season ends in November. So, I mean, he's, he doesn't have much of any cold weather experience. So there's that. The second thing I want to point out here is, is the impact on Mason Crosby. Again, maybe Shum's going to be the greatest holder of all time, and maybe, and maybe the chemistry will come quick. But Mastay and Crosby had six full seasons, and in this training camp, to work together. I mean, they, 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 they know, Mastay knows what Crosby likes. They're, they have fr- they're friends. They have a great rapport. Now you've totally torn this up. Now, Shum's supposed to arrive in Green Bay today. They have a light practice um, close to, to the median fans. They have a practice today, the game at Kansas City on Thursday night, and then they have four practices to get ready for Jacksonville. So that, that gives those guys five practices in one preseason game to get their you-know-what together. Again, Crosby, after a, a horrible 2012 season, has had three terrific seasons in a row. Why do you want to mess with this? I, I just, I just don't get it. I, again, I, it's to me, it's advantage mass day because he's a proven commodity. And finally, again, and the last thing I want to point to here is, is the salary cap um, ramifications here. Crosby's cap number was one point five four million dollars. Now you you wipe away the base salary, and that just leaves two hundred forty thousand dollars of a uh, prorated signing bonus from his last contract. So. You save about $1.3 million here of against the cap, which, you know what? That's a big deal when you got all these offensive linemen coming up in the free agency this offseason. So but it, I can see some of Thompson's thinking, but I'm not seeing a lot of it. And, you know, I, again, I, I just can't help to think back to the, the John Ryan disaster where they went through two years of of bad punting. And, you know, to, to, to blow all this up for, you know, better inside the 20 accuracy or, or uh, some salary cap money. Not a good idea in my book. And before we get on to second down here, I'd like to remind you to go to packreport.com. I have a lot of great stuff there, and obviously we'll have full coverage of the cuts throughout the weekend. And to check out the fantastic Lockdown Podcast Network that David Locke is building. We have NFL coverage with Lockdown NFL. We have Lockdown Fantasy. We have Locked On Chiefs if you want an opponent's viewpoint. We have Locked On Vikings for the latest on Teddy Bridgewater. And if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan and an NBA fan, we have Locked On NBA and Locked On Bucks. So a lot of great stuff on, on the podcast network and a lot of great stuff at Packer Report. Okay, on to second down, and be the rest of the moves to get down to 75 players before Tuesday's practice. They released wide receiver Harvey Binford, an undersized guy who could run like crazy, and then placed on IR tight end Kennard Backman with a knee. Tight end Mitchell Henry, who spent too much time on a club to be a club cast on his broken hand. Guard Josh Walker with a knee. Running back John Crockett with a shoulder. And then center Jacob Flores with a knee. Um, you know, no surprises there. You know, some 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 key losses there, though. We'll start, we'll start with Walker, who, 
you know, I remember that St. Louis Rams game last year. TJ TJ Lang goes down, and then it's Walker against against Rams star Aaron Donald. You think, oh dear God, they're in trouble here. And sure enough, the first first play, Aaron Donald just demolishes Walker, and, and, and Rodgers is running for his life. Well, you know, after that, Walker pretty much won that matchup. So you, the kid's got some potential. Super, he's a nice guy, really smart, and you 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 got some potential there, especially with Green Bay's free agent outlook at guard. And then then at tight end. You know, no surprises there. And, and it solidifies that the tight end rotation will be Jared Cook, Richard Rodgers, and Justin Perillo. And then I would think it would mean Casey Pierce would make the practice squad. Pierce caught 60 passes as a senior at Kent in 2014. Spent last year in the Lions practice squad. Uh, got a tryout at Green Bay's rookie camp this year and, and got signed there. I mean, he caught a 31-yard touchdown pass at Monday's practice on the, on the final play of a, of a two-minute drill. And then caught two touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers on Tuesday. So the, the guy can catch the ball. So there's some potential there. Then you feel for Crockett, who got promoted to the active roster at the end of, toward the end of last season and had a strong training camp in preseason, probably was the, the leader to be number three and you know, gets hurt in the, in the San Fran game. And, and, and that's that for him. And so now it'll be Brandon Burks as the number three running back, assuming he doesn't totally bomb against the Chiefs. And this will be a one of the things to look for on Thursday night's football game. Is, is I mean, Burks is going to get a lot of playing time here, I would think, for the coaching staff to decide if he's up to the task or if the number three running back happens to be playing for some other team right now. And I realize that defense has played vanilla this time of year, but you really hope, if you're Green Bay, that the Packers just, or the Chiefs just splits the you-know-what out of the Packers quarterbacks just to see if, to see if Brooks is up to the task, you know he's five eight, and you know he's less than two hundred and ten pounds. So he's not the biggest guy, but he's he's strong and he's smart. So he gives you a fighting chance in, in against the blitz and, and pass protection. So, and you know what, at Troy, and this is why I really like this signing after the draft. In his three seasons at Troy, he caught ninety passes. And if you're a pass first team like Green Bay, you throw a lot of screen passes like Green Bay. A kid that can catch the ball. Is a big asset and a guy that can make some moves as an asset. And you saw those moves in that 19-yard touchdown catch against the 49ers on Friday night. So he's got some wheels. He's got strength. He's got intelligence. And I'm, you know, he, he hasn't done a whole lot during camp, but I'm interested to see if he's up to the task on Thursday night. And of course, the final move, still not announced by the Green Bay Packers, by the way, is they traded outside linebacker Laurenti McCray to the Bills. The Bills did announce this move. And it's for an undisclosed draft pick in 2018. And according to the NFL's transaction wire, it'll be a seventh-round pick. I'm assuming that'll be if, if McCray makes Buffalo's roster and plays a little bit. And that, you know, that was a, a position of strength for Green Bay with, obviously, it's, it's Clay Matthews, Nick Perry, Julius Peppers, Dayton Jones, and third-round pick Kyler Fackel as five guys. And then, you know, if you're, if you're only going to get keep six, it would be McCray against J. Ron Elliott. And, you know, McCray was signed supposedly for, for special teams purposes because he did pretty well at that with Denver last year. But it never panned out. I mean, he was he never got to the number ones in any group. Well, Elliott is a, as they call it, a four-core guy. I mean, he's on, a, he's on all the special teams. One of the top tacklers last year, one of the top guys in playing time. A real leader of that group. I mean, he's a guy that... Uh, that the young guys look up to. So, you know, I, I had read some stuff from other writers that the Elliott was on the bubble. I never, ever, ever bought that for a second. You know, he had tapered off at the end of camp, but he was, 
you know, I, and I told this to him a couple of weeks ago. I said, yeah, I think you've been one of the best guys in the, on the practice field during training camp. So he's, he had tapered off a little bit. He blamed some of that on, on some fatigue issues where he'd been playing a whole bunch on defense and then playing a whole bunch on special teams. So, you know, he didn't get a break during practice. He was go, go, go. So, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm not surprised this is the direction they went and, and that they can get any draft pick at all from McRae. A good move for the Packers. This segment of Locked On Packers is brought to you by PackerReport.com and Scout.com. Scout's fantasy site is host of the World Fantasy Championships, and our fantasy insiders have helped a lot of people make a lot of money. And if your company is interested in talking to men between the ages of 18 and 44, you really should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Packers is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want men 18 to 44, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are reasonable. Email me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com to find out more. On the third down, that'll be the earth-shaking NFC North news that Vikings quarterback Teddy Bridgewater got injured at Tuesday's practice. A huge injury there where Bridgewater dislocated a knee, tore an ACL, and there's other, other structural damage there, according to the Vikings training staff of all people, who sent out a press release notifying the media about what happened. First of all, I can't believe the Vikings training staff did that. That would never, ever, 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 ever happen in Green Bay where you have to go fishing for injury news. And the Vikings staff comes out and says exactly what's wrong with their quarterback. So from that perspective, just totally blown away by how the Vikings handle this. But that's neither here nor there. But this is just a killer news for the Vikings where Bridgewater's up, you know, at least in their eyes, one of the up-and-coming quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, and... If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. And you, I mean, I, I'm not breaking any news here to you guys. You understand that. I mean, it's, it's a quarterback-driven league. The, the league is set up around throwing the football, and there's you know the rules on the perimeter or slanted toward the wide receivers. I mean, just look at the playoffs over here. It's it's all all the best quarterbacks are the teams that are not only make the playoffs but make that final eight, the final four. So obviously, bad news for the Vikings. But you know what? If there's any team that can overcome this, it's the Vikings. So I'm not I'm not going to write these guys off just yet. And you know, especially because they, they get Green Bay in Week Two, and it's going to be the Vikings' home opener in their season. I mean, home opener in their new stadium, and that place is going to be jazzed. And if the Vikings can ride that emotion in Week Two and beat the Packers, I mean, they'll they'll have a bit of an early edge there. So what's well, a big game already is really, really, really going to be a must-win game for the Vikings if you're looking way down the road playoff kind of stuff, but. I'm going to say this, though. I don't think this is the apocalypse for the Vikings. And I'm going to preface this by saying that I cover the Packers. I don't have time to watch anybody else. I'm not sitting around the house on Sunday watching other games because I'm heading up to Lambeau. If, if Green Bay's got an afternoon game, I'm heading up to Lambeau. Or, you know, maybe the teams are playing at the same time, so I'm certainly not watching the Vikings. I'm not sure that Teddy Bridgewater is a great quarterback. And, I, and, and I'm basing this on... I've seen Bridgewater play... Three games, basically, in my life, and that was three games against the Packers, and none of them were really good. As a rookie in 2014 at Minnesota, the Vikings lost, and Bridgewater's pass rating was 79.8. Not bad, not awful, just eh. Week or 2005 or 2015, the, the gear, the game that the Packers demolished the Vikings in Minnesota, Bridgewater's rating was 100.7. That's a good rating, but. They scored 13 points, and they were totally outclassed in a game where Green Bay was reeling, and the Vikings had all the momentum, and the Vikings were a favorite, and they had a chance to seize control of things. 
and they fell on their face, and Bridgewater just didn't, wasn't up to the task. And then, with the NFC North title on the line, the Vikings won, but Bridgewater's rating was a god-awful 45.7. So that is three games against the Packers, and I didn't see anything special from that guy at all, and I, and I realized that his receivers are terrible when you're talking Greg Jennings and Mike Wallace and Charles Johnson. I mean, if the receivers aren't good, you know, the tight end is really good, and they've got Adrian Peterson to open up things in the passing game. So maybe that equalizes the fact that the receivers stunk. But, you know, I'm not buying Bridgewater. But clearly, I'm not – clearly, I mean, it's a step back. I mean, Sean Hill takes over. He's 36 years old. He's 16 and 18 for his career as a starter. A so-so touchdown interception ratio, so-so career passer rating. He started eight games in 2014 with the Rams and went three and five with eight touchdowns and seven interceptions. So and this guy is the personification of journeymen. You know, they don't have a, a young guy winning the wings. I, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure they're going to go shopping and bring, and bring in somebody with a pulse. But clearly this is terrible news for the Vikings. And, you know, just like with Jordy Nelson ruining the Packers season, this very well could ruin the Vikings season too. But they have enough stuff in place where I'm not prepared to write them off just yet. And on that fourth down, that'd be the end of training camp. And this is my ninth training camp covering the team, and it was by far the lightest training camp I've ever seen. Now, you can argue to the cows come home whether these guys are going to be ready for week one at Jacksonville, but they're going to be unbelievably healthy for it, too. And that's, you know what, maybe that's the good news here. Six guys out of practice, including Richard Rodgers, and that was illness. So really only five guys due to injury. Cornerback McIntyre Dorlian, who's a bubble guy anyway. Safety Chris Banjo with a hamstring. Center Corey Lindsay with a hamstring. He's probably going to go on the pup list and miss the first six weeks. Outside linebacker Jaron Elliott with a hamstring. And defensive tackle Kenny Clark with his back. Um, Elliott thought that he might be ready to go for week one. If not week one, week two. Of course, this is the, this is the player's timeline. And the player's timeline sometimes doesn't match up with the reality of things. Um, uh, geez, yeah, Janice, wide receiver Jeff Janice did practice. He pitched to the club cast on his broken hand on Monday. Was without the cast altogether on Tuesday, but didn't really do anything. Um, quarterback Brett Hundley practiced. Did some individual stuff. No team roster, individual stuff with his sprained ankle. So, again, that, it's two days in a row that he's practiced. A, a good sign that he'll be ready to go for the season. So, you know, you're, now you're just kind of, if you're Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson, you're just knocking on wood that nothing bad happens. Um Oh yeah, I got. I got. I have to give you the Jordy Nelson update, right? I mean, I can't give you. I can't go through practice without telling you about Jordy Nelson. Again, he took team reps on on Tuesday. He didn't catch any passes. Rodgers threw him a couple passes. One was intercepted, and one was broken up at the pylon on, on a good read where the cornerback Warren Gatewood clearly clearly thought Nelson was getting the ball and and pouncing it out route the pylon and broke it up. So a quiet day for Nelson, but this is the. The takeaway of the day during during a special teams period, Nelson worked on the side with receiver Luke Getze, and Getze's firing him a whole bunch of passes, including a whole bunch of basically equivalent of crossing routes on poorly thrown passes, low and high, where Nelson had to make some leaping catches. Did those just fine? Caught all those passes? You know, didn't come up favoring the knee at all. So, once again, if you're in the positive signs for the season, that'd be the one. So, Nelson again remains on track for. For the week one game at Jacksonville, you have four practices to get ready for that thing. And again, I don't know if he's going to be ready for 30, 40, 50 snaps a game. 
but he's going to be ready to go for, in some capacity. And the key next week for, for Nelson, quarterback Aaron Rodgers said, is just for, for Nelson to get his conditioning up. You know, as you know, kind of like what I just mentioned, Nelson is an every-down player. He doesn't take a series off. He doesn't come up mid-series. The Packers run 70 snaps on offense. In the game, he's playing 70 snaps because he's got phenomenal conditioning. And the key will be for Nelson to get that conditioning up to, as they say, football conditioning here in the next week so he can take whatever, whatever workload that his knees ready to take. And that'll do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Be sure to check out again the rest of the great Locked On Podcast Network and go to PackerReport.com for more coverage of the team. I'll be back on Thursday to preview that thrilling preseason finale against Kansas City, and I'll be back Friday. And also have a special Saturday night edition with the roster cuts as well. So have a great day, everybody, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.